once again, good morning, Crossroads. How are we doing this morning? Everybody good? <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. We want to welcome you so much uh, for, and thank you so much for being here with us, whether you're here at our Newburgh campus with us at our West campus or watching with us um, online. Thank you so much for being here. Like your host said, my name is Ross. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm so thrilled to be here speaking with you today as we continue on in our series, uh, Jesus People, Jesus People. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter three is where we're gonna go, Ephesians chapter three. And while you're turning there, I wanna point your attention to something that's happening here at our Newburgh campus tonight. We have once again another worship night taking place right here on our Newburgh campus. And if you've never been to one of our worship nights, I'm telling you, you are missing out out people. You need to be here tonight, 6 p.m. At, again at our Newburgh campus. We would love to see you here. It's an incredible time where we come together and worship God. Ephesians uh, chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 16 today, starting in verse 16. And I just want to read it to you and then I'll explain it to you. All you really need to know is that this is Paul praying for the church. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. If I had to give this sermon a title this morning, it would simply be this, I'm full, I'm full. Would you pray with me as we dive into the message today? Uh, Lord, I just thank you so much that we are here today, not on accident. I believe every single person is in this room on purpose and maybe even for a purpose today. God, I pray that you would speak to us clearly. Would you help me to communicate your word clearly and effectively today? And whether we're here at Newburgh, our West Campus, or watching online, may we end our time together today better than when we first started. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said... Amen, amen. Uh, real quick, I like to ask this question every once in a while just because I like to know who I'm working with. Where are all the single people in the room? Single people, where are you? Go ahead, raise your hand, raise your hand. There you are, there you are. Go ahead, look around the room maybe if you'd like. You can get their number after church. Um, what, about all the, uh, what about all the married people? Where are you at, married people? There we are, there we are. Married life is the best life. Me and my wife, uh, her name is Nikki, we we tend to, we like to put purpose into our marriage, and so we make sure that every Friday night is date night, okay? Friday for us is date night. We always go out. That's a trend that I would maybe recommend in your marriage. Uh, go out every once in a while um, in public with your wife. Hey, we, uh, we like to go out um, to eat, and when we do, though, I just got to be honest, um, we sometimes have a little bit of an issue. We have a little bit of a problem because my wife, Nikki, she is a, she's a splitter. You heard of these people? She likes to split the food that we order. She likes to split the food that we order, right? And this is a problem, this is a problem for me. Look, when we first started dating, okay, I told her that I liked it. We've been married six years. I hate it. 
I absolutely hate it. It causes a little bit of a riff in our, in our marriage. Like I start talking to her about this and I'm like, Nikki, I can eat a full meal myself. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a grown man, I'm 30 years old, I'm short, but I'm five foot nine. That's sort of average, I think. You know, like I, I just want my own meal, Nick. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna split the meal. What makes matters worse is not only do I have to split the meal, I can't just have my own. My wife, she is gluten and dairy intolerant, okay? So now I get half of a meal and all the fun has been taken out of it. <laughs> it's a struggle, it's a struggle for me, right? And so as a result, I am never, ever full. I'm never full. So I'm a snacker, right? I resort to snacking, but I'm a closet snacker. I don't want people to know this about me. So if you and I were to go out to dinner together, you would probably be impressed by my choice of food. You would say, oh, Ross, you're having kale? And I would say, yes, this doesn't happen by accident, you know? But then you wouldn't know that I'd be going home later that night and crushing like 14 chocolate chip cookies before I go to bed, just simply so I can be full. What's the moral of the story? Pray for me. I, um, I, I'm, I'm just hungry, I'm always hungry. If you see me in public, just know at that moment, Ross is hungry. Right now, I'm hungry, okay? Like, I'm just never, I'm never able to get full. There's a word in the text in, in Ephesians chapter three today. Do you like that segue? Wasn't that smooth? <laughs> um, there's a, there's, there's a word in the text today, Ephesians chapter three, that really sticks out to me. And would you believe that that word is Filled, or uh, any version of that word, full, depending on the translation that you're reading. Actually, the one that we're reading today uses the word fullness, fullness. It sticks out to me, and it makes me wonder to myself, really, Ross, spiritually speaking, when's the last time you were, you were full? You know, I've, I've been a Christian for like, I don't know, 23 years. I think I gave my heart to Jesus when I was in Sunday school, right? And and uh, I, I've been in ministry, I'm working on a decade now, full-time ministry, and I just sometimes I sit back and I go, Ross, when was the last time you were, you were filled, like you were actually full? I don't think it's a problem necessarily in my own life, but maybe also in the life of you as well. Maybe some of us, our lives are a lot like, spiritually, a lot like my diet is. I can just never get to a place where I feel completely like I just can't ever actually get there. And this is what Paul is praying for in Ephesians chapter three. He's praying that you would feel full, filled to the fullness of God. When's the last time you were full? What does it mean? What's another way to say it? When's the last time you were content? Where you were fulfilled? Where you were actually satisfied? I know we can't feel this way 24 seven. I mean, mama did say there were gonna be some of those days and weeks and months, but when's the last time you actually just sat back and said, you know what, spiritually speaking, like I, I'm full. Like when it comes to me and Jesus, like I, I, feel, I feel pretty, pretty good. When's the last time you were full? I think, um, what Paul is, is doing here is he's praying in Ephesians chapter three for the church in this city of Ephesus. And we're gonna look a little bit more deeper into it, but you'll notice that this is what Paul does. He, he, he prays a lot. He starts out Ephesians chapter one and says, hey, church, I'm praying for you. 
He ends chapter three by saying, hey church, I'm praying for you. But not only that, now he gives us a little bit of insight into what he's actually praying about. Check this out, Ephesians chapter three, verse 16 and, and the first half of 17. Paul, again, he's, he's praying. He says, I pray that out of his, meaning God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Everybody say inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Everybody say hearts. Through faith. Through, through, through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith faith. Point one of the message this morning, if you are taking notes and following along with me, is this. Fullness must come from the inside. It can't come from the outside. Fullness must come from the inside. It, it, it cannot come from the outside. I love this in verse 16 and 17, how Paul uses these words and phrases like inner being and heart. I just gotta be honest with you though, like I'm reading this and I can imagine being the Ephesians and I'm going, Paul, thank you for praying for me. I appreciate that, buddy, but um, could, you, could you possibly pray for something a little bit uh, less weird? <laughs> You're praying for my inner being? Like, Paul, I actually have struggles. I actually have real problems going on in my life right now. Like my family, there's a lot of turmoil going on there. Like me and my wife, we're always fighting. Like I need help financially. I got student loans to pay for. What about the fact that I need a new car? Could you pray for any of those? I mean, out of all the things, Paul, that you could be praying for, you want to pray for my inner being and my heart. What we see immediately is that Paul is trying to get a message across to the Ephesians that the outside things don't matter as much as the inside things. So you have to know a little bit more about the town of Ephesus. See, Ephesus was considered a very successful city in its day. Why? Because of the economy. It was a successful trading city. It was where a lot of trade happened. So the commerce was good. It was considered successful by the world standards. And I think Paul was praying this way on purpose because he knew that the church in Ephesus would be tempted to start thinking the way that the world around them was. That they'd start praying for and they'd start measuring their wins and losses and their successes and failures based off of their waist size, their paycheck, the size of their house, Things that were on the outside that don't matter as much as the inside. Paul prays, I pray that you would be strengthened by your inner being and that Jesus would dwell in your heart. Jesus would dwell in your heart. Anybody ever grow up in church and, uh, and you used to go to Sunday school? Anybody remember Sunday school? Yeah. I, uh, man, I, I just remember going to Sunday school with the felt board and all that, you know, back in the day. And my Sunday school teacher, she did this every single day as we were closing out the class. She would say, okay, boys and girls, now, who wants to ask Jesus into your heart? I was the kid, I never raised my hand because I was like, what are you talking about? Ask Jesus into my heart. What does that even mean? Like, does Jesus get really tiny and then like slide through my teeth and down my throat and get there to my heart and go like, boom, I'm in your heart. Like, I don't know. Sounds kind of invasive and creepy. I don't know that I want to ask Jesus into my heart. But the truth is this scripture right here is where we get that phrase from. Paul is praying. I pray 
that Jesus would invade your heart, that he'd get all up in your heart. Because I believe that Jesus doesn't want to change you from the outside in, but instead from the inside out. See, a lot of Christians get this confused. They think once they become a Christian, there's a lot of things now that I'm not allowed to do. And we call that behavior modification. Jesus is more concerned with soul transformation. What is your heart? What does it represent? Your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your personalities. And Jesus knows that if he can change that, then all the other things on the outside will come to pass as well. But the thing that matters the most is not the outside working in, it's the inside working out. Jesus is more concerned with your heart, with your with your inner man. Paul is saying, listen, Ephesians, I know that you live in a world where it's all about the outside, but there are some things that you cannot see. Truth is the people of God have gotten into some of the worst trouble of their lives looking at the things that only they can see, haven't they? The nation of Israel back in the day was really wanting a new king. They were looking around and all the other countries, all the other nations had a king and they wanted a king too. So they prayed to God, God, would you give us a king? Would you give us a king? And finally, God's like, fine, I'll give you a king. His name is Saul. The thing about Saul, which was really cool, everybody liked Saul at first because Saul was tall. Saul looked the part. Saul looked like a king. In fact, the Bible says that he was a head taller than everyone else in the nation. I mean, he was a full-blown king. Except that was only what was on the outside. What was on the inside was not a whole lot going on there. Saul was not a man after God's own heart. In fact, he disobeyed God many times and he led himself and the entire nation of Israel astray. It got so bad that God eventually, he wants to replace Saul. So what he does is he sends a prophet, a great man of God named Samuel, to go find a new king for Israel. So he sends him to a house. He goes, here at this house, you are going to find the next king. Samuel gets there and he sees a young, strapping man, very, very tall. And he says, surely this is the Lord's anointed and check out what 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord, check this out, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I think what's so funny is that the king they actually end up picking, his name is David. David is later described as a man after God's own heart. So here's a fun question to ask yourself. How do you measure your fullness in life? What makes you full? Is it your paycheck? Is it your house size? Is it what side of town you live on? Is it the school that your kids go to or the grades that they bring home? Christians don't think that this is just an outsider thing. We use Christian things to gauge our fullness as well. We base it off of how much scripture we have memorized, how much Bible we read on a daily basis, how long our prayers are. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about those things and completely throw them out the window. But if that's all you're measuring and if that's all you're gauging, trust me, it can be very limiting. And here's the reason why you may read a lot of Bible, but it doesn't tell me if your heart is growing. The Pharisees read the Bible more than anybody else. And Jesus called them what snakes. 
We have to be careful about what we're gauging our fullness off of. Is it outside things? Is it worldly things? Is it by human measurement? Or is it actually what God is doing on the inside of us? Paul is saying that there are some things that cannot be seen. There are some things that cannot be counted. There are some things that cannot be measured. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that news, I think this is good news because I look at my own life and I look at my past and I compare myself to other people and I compare myself to where I want to be or where I thought I would be by now. And every single time, you know what? I don't measure up and neither do you. But then all of a sudden, friends, there is the grace of God and the grace of God works so much better than anything else that we can measure by the world standards. Because when the rest of the world is looking at my height, God is looking at my heart. When the rest of the world is looking at my popularity, the rest God is actually looking at my purpose and the potential that he put on the inside of me. When the rest of the world is looking at my fans and my followers, God is looking at my faith. It's all because of the grace of God. I no longer have to worry about the outside things, but instead I'm worried about what's in my heart. Come on. Is there anybody who is thankful this morning for the grace of God to where we don't have to worry about the outside anymore? Let me ask you a question. Have, have any of you ever listened to Kelly Clark's podcast or heard him preach before you heard, heard of Kelly Clark's podcast? No, nobody. That's weird. Um, you know, I've asked that in the past two services as well, and no one has raised their hand. No one's listened to Kelly Clark's podcast. It's because he doesn't have one. Um, he's, also, he, he's also not a traveling speaker, so you probably wouldn't have heard of him, but, but Kelly Clark um, was my youth pastor growing up. And even though you've never heard his voice, um, you see, he was the one who confirmed the call of God on my life to go into ministry. And even though you've maybe never heard his voice, if you've heard me preach, if you've heard me speak, trust me, you've heard Kelly. Because the words that he spoke over my life are still echoing now in everything that I do. But if you were to measure like his success off of like outward things, like you were to measure the size of his youth ministry. Our youth ministry never had more than like 25, 35 kids. If you were to measure it based off the success of his events he threw together, we had like 10 kids go to a ski trip one time. Like, that's it. And you would look at him and go, ooh, not very successful. But the truth is, he's done so much more in my life than I could ever, ever imagine. I'll tell you today that our youth room was never full, but the impact he had on my life, on my heart, friends, you can't measure that. You can't see that, that's, that's on the inside of me. Here's a fun question. What's more important to you? What your resume says or what your eulogy will say? What's more important to you, what's on the outside or the inside? Fullness, it comes, it comes from the inside. Paul goes on in Ephesians chapter three in the second half of verse 17, and he says, again, this is the second part of his prayer. He says, I pray that you being rooted, everybody say rooted, and established, say established, 
rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Point two in the message this morning, if you're taking notes with me, is this fullness must be experienced. It can't be explained. Fullness must be experienced. It can't be explained. You ever been trying to tell a story to a friend or a coworker about how awesome something was, how awesome an experience was, and finally you just get to the end of yourself and you go, ah, you had to be there. It's like trying to explain to somebody how big the Grand Canyon is, how tall that mountain was, how big the ocean is. You eventually just get to a place where you go, ah, you had to experience it. Can we, can we just talk honestly for a second? Like, can I tell you what this is and this is not, like our meeting here together today, what this is and what it's not? Um, this is not me trying to convince you logically about the Christian faith or even to, a sway, to sway you emotionally where finally you come to a place where you go, you know what, Ross, I tend to, I tend to agree with most of your points. Yes, um, yes, after further investigation and actually just doing a little bit of research on my own, after coming here for a few weeks, yes, yes, amen, yes, Ross, yes. I actually think that logically you and I can be on the same page. Do you know that this is also what Paul is not praying for? Paul is not praying that you would logically and mentally agree with the Christian faith. In his book, The Art of Spiritual Reformation, D.A. Carson says this about this actual scripture in Ephesians. He says, Paul is not asking that his readers might become more able to articulate the greatness of God's love. He is asking God that they might have the power to grasp the dimensions of that love in their, what? Experience. This is why I love the fact that Paul uses these words that can get really confusing. Because he says, I pray that you would be rooted and established. Another translation of the Bible says, rooted and grounded. And I love that because so many of us, we want to be stable. We want to be rooted. We want to be grounded in life. And many Christians think that th this means that. Knowing more. Doing your research. Well, I grow more when I know more. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't know what you believe in. Please do not hear that today. But I think there becomes a problem when we put more emphasis on what we can explain rather than the power of God that we need to actually experience in our life. I wonder how many Christians miss out on an experience of God because they cannot explain God. Really what Paul is saying, the way you stay rooted and established and grounded is you don't stay focused on the things that you can comprehend and explain. No, you stay focused and concentrated on, recalling, remembering, and reminding yourself of God's love for you. I try to think about it like this. Like, I, I feel like a lot of us, we treat God's love like a little stream on the journey of faith. Like imagine you're with some friends on a hike and all of a sudden you come up to the stream and you go, guys, guys, look, stop, stop, stop. Look, 
It's the love of God. Look, it comes right out of the mountain cliff there. It just comes right by us. Look at that. Oh, thank you, God. You do love us. Thank you. Look how pretty it is. It's the love of God. A little stream. How cute. <laughs> Look at the little fishies. <laughs> oh, it's the love of God. Okay. All right, everyone. Now, let's step over. Step over. Moving along. There's more to see on the journey. Bigger and better things ahead. Bigger and better things ahead. Better than the love of God? We have a lot of Christians today that treat the love of God like a little stream, let it something just to pass over. Yes, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. I get it, but what's next? As if there's more to see and there's more to experience. We treat the love of God like it's a little stream when in fact it's an endless ocean, yet some Christians never make it out of the surf because they cannot explain it. Trust me, friends, you do not know the depths of God's love. You do not, you're not able to describe how much he loves you. You are not able to comprehend how much he cares for you and how much he cares for the people around you. It is not something that you can explain. It is something that you have to jump in and experience. There are some things that are just too difficult to explain. I think one of the most difficult stories in the Bible to explain is one of the most popular stories that's told. And it's the story of David and Goliath. Remember David, the guy after God's own heart, the one who's chosen as king? Before any of that happens, David is a little boy and he's bringing cheese to his older brothers as they're on the battlefield. But when he arrives on the battlefield, no one there is fighting because there's a giant named Goliath that everyone is terrified of. Everyone is scared of this guy. And so David's like, well, I got Jesus, I'm good. Like I can go out here and I can fight this battle. He goes out there, 13 years old. He's got three armpit hairs and a slingshot. And he's just like, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. And everyone who's there that day is thinking to themselves, wait a second, David, you can't do this. You can't go out there just like that. Why are you going out there with just a slingshot? You can't do this, David. Well, why, why can't I do this? Well, David, I can explain it to you if you'd like. You see, he, he has armor. You have nothing. He is experienced. You are not. <laughs> He is strong, you are weak. He is tall, you are small. And I love David's attitude. David says, oh, he may be tall, but I am full. <laughs> I love David because he goes out there on the battlefield and Goliath, even as he's mocking David, David speaks back to him and says, oh, you come at me with sword and shield, but today I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. You may have the size advantage, but I've got the savior advantage. I've got the power of God working on the inside of me and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So you think you've got this, but trust me, you don't. I can try to explain it to you, Goliath, but I got a feeling in just a second, you're about to experience it. And experiencing it is gonna be so much better than me trying to explain it to you. And while I'm so encouraged by the story of David, I have to look at the church today, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I, 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 am, I am worried about the church of Jesus Christ. Because I believe that so many of us, we will miss out on the power of God, the glory of God, the peace that surpasses all understanding simply because we can't understand it. Friends, can I just remind you today, if you can fully grasp how big God is, he's no longer God. 
If you can explain him, he is not God. If you can understand him, he is not God. I don't want a God I can understand. I want a God who holds me when I don't. He's a personal God, but he's a big God. Can I just tell you, I don't, I don't think that David knew how he was going to win that fight that day. But he did know who was with him. And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ, we, we have to have a little bit more of the mindset that David did, where we walk into battles, whether it be tomorrow morning when you walk into work, whether it be in your own home, where we walk into fights, where we face giants, Goliaths of our life, and we just ask ourselves one simple question. We go, I don't know how I'm gonna do this, but I know who is with me. Is Jesus with me? Yes, he is. Okay, good. Then there is no devil in hell. There is no Goliath on the front line. There there is no giant that stands in my way that will not fall. And even though I can't explain it, I'm willing to experience it. Paul, he goes on and he wraps up his prayer by saying this in verse 20. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, again, you can't measure it, immeasurably more, then all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Paul is saying to us and to his readers, that he's praying this over our lives, that we would understand that God can do literally anything. And he wants to use you and me and us to do it. He can do anything and he wants us to be a part of it. How do I know that to be true? Because I remember God doing it in my life when I was just seven years old. I'll never forget, um, I, I used to, my, my brother is, is eight years older than me, right? And, um, and I, I've always looked up to my brother, literally and figuratively. I looked up to my brother, I wanted to be just like him. I can remember growing up and playing basketball with my brother in the backyard, and I loved basketball because my brother loved basketball. In fact, my brother was a little bit of a, of a high school basketball star. And I wanted to be just like him. And so often I remember my brother would invite some of his friends from the neighborhood over who were also about his age, much bigger than me, much taller than me. And, and I remember one day specifically, my brother said, hey, we're gonna play three on three in the backyard. And I was like, okay, cool, you know, and I, I count the other team, I'm like, one, two, three, okay, they have three. And I knew I was gonna be on my brother's team, so I start counting, I go one, two, three, four. And I remember going over to my brother and kind of just, you know, tugging on his shorts and saying, hey, bro, like, I know you said three on three, but like, we, we have four on our team. And my brother looked at me, he goes, yeah, but <laughs> Ross, you're, um, you, you, you don't count. And I remember being so mad at my brother because I looked up to him in so many different ways, but I'll tell you one area of my life where I did not look up to my brother. My brother was not a Christian at the time. About 16, 17 years old, he, he was not following. Jesus, and, um, and I knew it. I would get in his car often, and, and he was listening to music. They were saying words and things I had never ever heard of before. 
And I knew this was not Christian music. My brother was not living a Christian lifestyle. I knew it by the way he talked, by the way that he acted. But I remember being seven years old. And that day, I was so mad at my brother. After the game was over, I never got past the ball and nothing like that. And, but what ended up happening was I go to my room and I start praying for my brother. And I started remembering some things that I had learned in Sunday school. I just started repeating some phrases that I had heard my Sunday school teacher pray before. And I, I said, Lord, would you just... Would you just come into my brother's heart? I, like, however you do that, Jesus, if you get really tiny like that and you slide through his teeth and then you go down his throat and you go next to his heart and just jump in there. I don't know how you do it, but God, would you just, would you just do that? No lie, no lie. A couple of weeks after that day of playing basketball in the backyard, I got back into my brother's car, right? And he turns on his CD player and the music that was playing in his car, I, I, rec I recognized it. And I said, wait, 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 I know this song. I, we sang this song in church this past Sunday. I said, wait a, wait a second, how are you, you, you're, you're, you are listening to this music? I said, I said, how, why are you, why, why? <laughs> why are you listening to this music? And my brother said, oh, I forgot to tell you, like I got invited to some like church thing the other day and this guy was preaching and he, he asked people to like come forward and me and my friend, like we came down and we, we gave our lives to Jesus. I'm, I'm a Christian now. And I remember sitting in my brother's car and I thought to myself, I said, ooh, you thought I didn't count, but Jesus sure did. I came to remind some people today that God can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. He wants to do literally anything he wants to do and he can do anything he wants to do. And he wants to use you and I to do it. But so many of us, we've been too busy looking at the outside instead of the inside. So many of us, we've been looking at things that we can see instead of believing in faith, which is the things that we cannot see. So many of us, we've been looking at things that simply just don't matter when God is more concerned about the heart. And many of us, we've been measuring ourselves and thinking that we don't count, that we don't add up. And I came here just to remind some people today, you live in a world that says that you do not count, but to God, you sure do. You live in a world that says that you do not matter, but to God, you sure do. Maybe you've even convinced yourself that you do not count. God is telling you today, you can count yourself back in. He wants to use you here and now, and he can do more than you can think. He can do more than you can imagine. He can do more than you can fathom. And he wants to use every single one of us. Come on, can anybody agree with me today that God wants to use us? He can do more. You know how I felt on that day when my brother told me that my, my prayer had actually like come to pass? You know how I, you know how I felt? I, f I felt full. And I went, that was, that was fulfilling. That I, that I actually prayed and believed that God could do anything, childlike faith. And he, and he did it. Not only that, man, he saved him a lot quicker than I thought. <laughs> like, I just want to tell you today, you may be listening to that story and go, that's a cute story, Ross, but what, what does that mean for me? Well, what does God want to do through you? What are some times where you, you've, you've backed out on being used by God simply because you couldn't wrap your mind around it? I can't explain that. Nah, that, that would be weird to just go up and, 
I know she's been having a hard time with her family and with her kids, but it would be just too weird if I just went over there and I prayed for her. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. I, I know, man, they just need like good people around them. They need a community. Like, nah, it would be strange. It would be weird. Like, it would be, I don't know if I can invite her to church or my small group. No, no it wouldn't. You don't know. You don't know what God could do. Maybe, maybe God wants you to experience something that you cannot explain. I've never come to the worship night things. I mean, it's just kind of like another time to go to church. Like, is it really gonna make that big of a difference? It's not gonna change anything, but what if it does? What if we actually came here tonight to the worship night and we believe that through our worship then people could be freed from addiction? That things could actually happen, that we would actually experience the power of God. And it was beyond what we could explain. What if we saw a city start to change simply because we leaned into these moments where we just felt, I don't know, I feel like this is God. What would happen? I'm here to tell you today, we would be full. This church would be full. This city would be full. I wanna pray for you today, but I wanna pray the same prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as I close this out? I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen.